All right, we're going to call this uh, three-year anniversary episode. I would say it was probably, that would mean like three and a half years ago, Brad and I had an idea. I'll give myself a little bit of credit, right, Brad? I mean, it was kind of my idea, but then at the same time, I was like, I need somebody to bring the intelligence to the table, and that's where you came in. And, you know, so now we, we came up with this podcast idea. And so it's been three years. This would be like our three-year anniversary episode. I don't even know what number it is, but anyways, it doesn't matter. We're, you know, we did this, we kicked it off right before Memorial Day three years ago. So if you want and you're a newer listener and you haven't listened to episode one, I wouldn't advise it, but you could. You could go back and listen to episode two. And I, I hope we've made some improvements since then. I don't know. What do you think, Brad? Well, first things first. You're relying on me as being the brains behind this. Um, well, you were man. the you were the brains behind the fishing information. You weren't necessarily the brains behind getting it out to people and and uploaded to the internet, so to speak. So let's okay. we'll clarify two different things. You're you're the brains behind the fishing side of it. I don't even know about that, but I mean, we have some really good guests, Jeff. So you know, can I keep a topic going, maybe a little bit here and there, but. Ultimately, um, I would say our guests are the really big factor in our success. And no doubt about it, I mean, this was your idea, and you made it shine, Jeff. And your work ethic uh, goes to show that, you know, when you care and you want to make a difference, um, you just put your head down and, and make it happen. So this is truly more so about you than it is me. But you've done an incredible job, and I will say it's been one fun ride. Well, I will say thank you for the kind words. I will say this has been like the ultimate team effort in podcasting, in my opinion. You know, like I said, uh, we kind of came together with the idea. I actually didn't even think Brad would want to, you know, necessarily join forces on it. I'm obviously very happy that he did. And so here we are three years later, and we're kicking off. You know, we'll say this is our, going into our fourth year now after this episode's over. So it's been a fun ride. I think we you know, at some point here, we'll have to come up with some sort of, uh, you know, hoopla for episode 200, assuming that we make it. And, you know, I guess we'll say we made it this long because of, like you said, Brad, the guests are, are the main reason and we can't thank them all enough. We also can't thank our listeners enough for taking time out of their schedule each and every week to listen to it. It's pretty crazy that there's a very definite diehard group of anglers that listen every single Wednesday right away when we put it out and you know for that we're very thankful and you know brad and i have talked about a little bit sometimes the the two months i say before fishing season you know things get a little redundant and and things like that so you know hopefully we can continue to bring you know good fun up-to-date conversations throughout the course of this fishing season now that northern wisconsin kicks off this weekend and minnesota is going to follow shortly shortly behind that and then shortly behind that canada is so then all of our listening audiences will be fishing and that it certainly makes the conversations a little bit more fun don't you think brad yeah absolutely jeff i mean it's kind of one of those deals you can talk about tons and tons of different ideas and thoughts and whatever it might be maybe it's uh equipment what have you throughout the off season but when the season starts Hey, it's pertinent information that people can listen to right at their fingertips on their way to the lake. And I think I think that's what really makes it a quality product during the season. Yeah, and hopefully we can help people put a few extra fish in the boat every single weekend. Or in some cases, a fish in the boat every weekend. I know how tough it can be for, you know, some anglers. This week we're gonna to talk to Steve Herbeck. We've had him on multiple times. As a unprepared host, I have no idea when we heard from Steve last. I would say it was probably at some point this this pet, you know, during uh, 2022. But I I can't tell you for sure. So if you're if you want, scroll back a few episodes, and then if you don't find us, scroll back a few more, and eventually you'll run into a Herbeck episode because we've had him on. I don't know. I'm guessing four or five times, and he's uh, a treasure. <laughs> he's a treasure chest of knowledge. Lots and lots of. I mean, you can't throw a topic at him that he's not going to be able to talk about. And Steve's been doing some fishing lately, so that's a plus for us. He's going to kind of talk about, uh, you know, what he's seen on the water so far, and then he's going to talk about what to expect for this coming weekend and maybe into the first couple weeks of the season. And then we also talk a little bit about some spinnerbait fishing, and Steve has a new bait that will be available from Livingston Lures at some point during the season, and that's called the Flipper, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So, Brad, 
I mean, this feels kind of foreign because we haven't recorded a podcast in, I don't know, probably two two weeks, maybe a little longer than that. You were gone, and we were actually caught up a little bit, and now we're racing again. It's Monday night. This needs to go out on Wednesday for anybody that cares, so it's very up-to-date information. Yeah, like, like always, Jeff, I mean, we're kind of uh, running down to the wire here, but somehow, some way, we always manage to get another episode out, and uh, we haven't missed a Wednesday yet. We've even added a few in between those Wednesdays, and it's always fun to get on the line. Well, Brad, I, I mean, as per usual, we need to do a little bit of an infomercial. If you're looking for gear for this upcoming season, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. I know that we continue to add more and more product. I say that every single week, but it's true. The shipping and receiving department has been very busy, which is basically me. My wife has been very busy with her regular full-time job, and so I've done the best I could to, you know, hold down the fort. I've had to pull them in a little bit on weekends, but, uh, for the most part, you know, we've been, we've been busy. In fact, just today, I just got a pile of Lakex lures. So if you're looking for any of that stuff, it's there. New musky innovation rods, you know, as always, we have a huge selection of stuff from musky mayhem tackle. And speaking of musky mayhem tackle, if you're not buying from us, you should definitely be going straight to the source musky mayhem tackle.com. Brad, what are, what are you guys? You've said it 170 times, probably. What about Musky Mayhem Tackle? Well, the, we're the originators of the big bladed flashaboo bait. Very proud of that. Love our customers to death. Um, can't thank them enough. We uh, we offer a bunch of different uh, inline spinners as well as safety arm spinners. Would love to have you as a customer. And we're always looking for you to share a bunch of different uh, pictures of those fish you're catching out there. So, all right, Brad, there's our, there's our intro for the week. We, once again, we want to thank everybody for putting up with us for, for three years and we're, you know, we're happy we haven't missed an episode and we're not going to miss it this week. So we're going to go dial up our conversation with Steve Herbeck. All right. Our guest this week is Steve Herbeck and Steve, we haven't really talked to anybody that's been fishing lately. I know that you've been doing it. So let's, uh, let's, you know, cut the chase, I guess, right away. Every, I mean, most people should know who you are. We've, we've had you on the podcast a handful of times. So if you're looking for, you know, more episodes for Steve, if I was prepared, I would tell you what numbers they were, but I'm not. So you go do a little search feature and find some for, for Steve. I think we've had you on four times, probably. Probably. Yeah. It's four or five. Wow. Always fun. Yes, sir. It's always great to have you on. So let's talk a little bit about how your season's going. You've been fishing southern Wisconsin for probably three weeks, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't set myself up real heavy till actually today on through just because uh, I fished, I guess, seven days so far since opener muskies and, and did quite a bit of walleyes in, in northern the last two weeks, which have been really good. But I got a lot of, you know, intel and, and I'm, uh, you know, out there enough. And to say that the days that I have fished were some of my best early season starts, I'd be standing at the gates of hell because it hasn't been. I think I've got four fish out of six days, but nothing big. What I've seen going on is that, uh, you know, late spring, one early, real hot warm up, back to cold front. Like, for instance, the Madison chain is very clear. Very, very clear. Um, zebra mussels have been in there now five or six years. So until it turns green and the weeds get up, it's typically, you know, there's some fish being caught, but she's, but they're, it's, it's on the tougher side of things. What's going on is it's not traditional shallow type of fishing. You know, uh, very little weeds, weeds are up yet. The bluegills and crappies. Some crappies are just starting to come in. The big black-headed males are just starting to come in. So things are behind a little bit. Um, I fished a, a benefit tournament Saturday for the Children's Cancer Center um, that a bunch of hockey players and and stuff put on. Uh, Mark Osiaki and and uh, Tony Granada and then put on. And, and, I mean, there was probably 25, 30 boats fishing muskies, and there were three caught. I got one, another kid got one, and, and another guy, everything was caught out over deep water. Not necessarily deep, but the biggest fish, a four-footer, was caught on a double regular dog out over 22 feet of water near a bluegill spawning bed. And this guy is a good fisherman. I'm sure he was running his bait on the deep end of things, at least midway 
at least halfway down, if not deeper. You know, I, I think we need some heat. I think we need, you know, the weeds to sprout. The weeds that are up are full of northerns and a few small muskies. The big fish, I think, really just got done with their spawning activity and stuff. And then didn't recoup real fast. You know what I mean? We didn't have that kind of weather stimulation. And I think it's just, you know, get out off of, you know, traditional spots and particularly known panfish spawning beds if you're in southern Wisconsin, unless you're, you know, on something like, uh, you know, Big Green or Geneva or something that's got, you know, some Cisco's and stuff. Fish a, a definite, almost pre-spawn type of bite, even though it is post, you know, kind of out there off the off the break. And when we get some heat, I think things are going to, and the water, we're still at 62 to 64 degrees. It bounced up to 72 in those two days of hot weather, but that was it. Surface temp, six inches, you know? And then a cold front came in, and it's, so it's 64, six degrees. and been there for a long time. You know, uh, it was 37 degrees down here last night. You know what I mean? I think once we get some heat, I think those weeds are just itching to grow. I think they'll sprout like corn. I think things will come around real fast. But at this point, there's some fish being caught, but you're going to put in your time for them, you know? So that's what I'm seeing down here. How, how would you compare this, Kirby, to, like, last year or the year before? In comparison to a year ago, it's a totally different world. Oh, it, it, it definitely is. And like, I, I think if you fish the way you, you need to fish right now, at least till we get a bunch of heat, I think you have, if you touch fish, I think you have a very good chance at it being good fish. You know what I mean? Because there are some males and, and, and immature females type of stuff in with the northerns up in that, you know, six foot, seven, eight foot of, weeds that are growing that are maybe six inches, you know, eight inches, you know what I mean? But for the most part, if you get out and fish off the break, I think the av- I've heard of three fish now, you know, in that 48 to 49 and a half inch range. Unfortunately, none on my line yet that big. Uh, we did lose a pretty good fish in the mid to, mid to upper 40s, uh, shaking on the tail off the tail tail end of a, a trolled bait, you know, got its head bait was only down five, six feet and it, it was short line off the board and it came right up instantly and just had licked it. You know, it only had the hooks in its beak and, and it is through it, but it looked to be pretty good. But I think for the most part, if you get out and you don't fish traditional spring thought and get out and, and by traditional, I, you know, there's guys that will do nothing but what we're talking about under these conditions because they know, right? For the most part, if you read the books and stuff in the magazines and the articles, for the most part, guys are going to be throwing little baits up shallow and stuff like that. And, and right now, I think you need to be out off the brakes, looking for panfish that are staged. You know, don't be afraid to throw, you know, you know, decent-sized rubber or, or uh crankbaits or or a, a heavy spinnerbait or something like that, you know, out and, and get it down, you know, fish fish some stuff up high if it's sunny and stuff. But that one fish we had on a short line, but the water is very clear. And and that fish could have came up. The way it came up, it, it I almost think it was, it came straight up like a, a missile out of the sun. The other fish that I've caught trolling, have been down, you know, baits down around 12, 14, 20, 20 to 24 feet of water. But that's where I was marking the suspended bluegills and crappies too. So that's just what I'm seeing. If I, like these next three days, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm just convinced that's, that's the way I'm going to get a big fish right now till we get a warm up. And I just don't think they recouped real good from spawning. I think it was a kind of a, this is something really strange. As late that I was, that I targeted this year that I haven't fished for a while, quite a while. And since then it was stocked with uh, shad, big, huge shad population. And now the fish are growing fat as hell. I ran into the DNR day before opener scouting it out. And they told me 
that day before opener, they were pulling their nets. They only caught two muskies. The muskies had spawned two weeks prior heavily at 41 to 43 degrees, which blew my mind. You know, it just blew my mind. So Herbie, was there, you know, did the DNR give you any kind of explanation on why they, they feel like those fish spawn so early? No, they didn't other than one kid said they must've done it by the moon phase or something. And, I was just dumbfounded because I hadn't heard of anything like that happening 10 degrees warmer than what I'm accustomed to running into, you know. They had a fish that was pushing 50 inches in the net that they weighed at 42 pounds full of eggs. They caught it five days later, and it was about empty, but they didn't weigh it. It was the same fish because they had tagged it. So they were spawned. Now, I'm not saying they did that every place, you know, but. That's the only place I ran into the DNR. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's always interesting to see, you know, when when you start talking to the DNR and they're out netting fish or if you get the opportunity to go do it, you can learn some stuff. But then you have something like what you're just talking about kind of throws a monkey wrench into everybody's ideas and thoughts on spawning fish. I know it. I know it. You know, I'm not saying this is happening any place else. I'm just, I just kind of threw that out there because it was such a, mind twist to me you know what i mean absolutely i will say though i'm trying to remember it was quite a few years ago but we had ice for the walleye opener still here in minnesota and i think it was like maybe 11 years ago something like that and literally we we could put the boats in the water but we could pull out if you really wanted to you could have probably ice fished you know the walleye opener but Previous to that, you know, the normal time frames, I usually see walleyes in the creeks up here in my area, usually on Easter Sunday-ish, you know. And even with that ice on the lakes, those fish were still doing their thing. And so that wasn't necessarily water temp. And so I think uh, a lot of times we get hung up on water temp, but at the end of the day, the fish have to do their thing. And say we had a month of extra cold, they're still going to go through the motions. They're still going to do their thing. I think uh, there's more to consider than just water temp. That's what that, that kid threw, threw at me. He said it must have been something to do with the full moon or something. You know? Now, he wasn't, I don't know. They were, I, I don't know how heavy into the scientific stuff this kid was, but, you know, they seemed pretty into it, but they weren't, uh, you know how it is. They got kids running around doing netting and stuff like that, taking info. But they go to school for it, too, you know, so. Have you uh, done any trolling at all, Herbie, or are you kind of staying away from that program and, and just preferring the cast? Or? Well, I caught two fish. Actually, I caught two fish opening weekend on Sunday in the river on Live Bay. Other than that, the fish, all the fish I've caught have been trolling. And I've casted quite a bit. You know, I've seen some fish, very lethargic, nothing big casting, mostly small fish, a lot of northerns in shallow, but the pike the, with the pike have been mostly 36, 37-inch stuff. I haven't seen anything big. And the water's so clear as I'm drifting in and out. I mean, I'd see fish swimming, you know what I mean? And and you get in a different type of body of water. Like, I, I think right now if you really want good activity, um, at least, you know, what I've seen in the last week is, uh, you know, is rivers and, and flowages, you know what I'm saying? The rivers have been doing pretty well. Uh, they are high. Um, and actually, I'm going to tell you honestly, most of the big fish I've heard of coming off of the off the stretches of the river from uh, Pete and well on down past Sox City have been almost all of them have been by shore fishermen. And some and some damn nice fish, you know, 49, 50, 48.5s, 49s, 50s. And most of them have been caught by shore fishermen. The, the, it's rocking and rolling pretty hard in front of the dams, you know what I'm saying? A lot of water coming out. So you're saying sell my boat? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just saying I hope the water goes down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I get it. Um, 
how about weed growth? And uh, I know you talked a little bit about the crappies and, and some of the panfish that you're seeing out there. Is the weed growth ahead of schedule or is it kind of stagnant with uh, the cooler temps now that we're getting? No, it's way behind. Any place I've been, it's way behind. Madison chain, a couple lakes, uh, you know, near the Madison chain that uh, got darker water, even the weed, you know, very little weed yet. You know, it's start. you can see it's starting and wanting. You know, there's some places on the Madison chain where there's weeds, you know, six to eight inches, maybe a foot. And like I said, if we would get three, four, five days even of good sun and heat, they they would burst, you know, like crazy. But uh, so far, it's just been kind of, you know, when that water's under 70, those weeds don't grow very good, you know, and it's been in the high, low 60s, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to give um, the listeners a little bit of a hint, because I'm going to guess, you know, we're coming into the northern Wisconsin opener this coming Saturday. I would say that northern Wisconsin, we talked a little bit about this, it's probably going to be kind of a similar deal up there. I mean, the water temps and the weather has kind of played a major factor this year. What would you say to the listeners that are going to be going on their northern Wisconsin opener? Well, for one thing, the Green Bay fishery, I talked to several guys today. They're almost thinking that that they aren't done spawning yet. You know, um, I I don't know. I haven't been there myself. I haven't talked to any biologists, but guys that live there and get around and talk to so. They'll still be in the rivers, whereas like last year, a lot of them were gone, right? You know, if you want to catch fish, I definitely would look, obviously, for the warmest water that you can in any body of water, you know, that you're fishing. The real deep, clear lakes, geez, I, I, I just, if, if I was up there myself in northern Wisconsin, I would probably fish, you know, a, a, a darker lake that I know has potential for decent fish. Versus just because that's the way I fish, I wouldn't fish a, a pin lake just because the fish might be moving better there. But I might stay away from, you know, the real deep clear lakes unless you wanted to do something like stealthily search the, the backs of the bays and the shorelines and sight fish. That's the kind of spring it's going to be. If you were to have 70, 80 degree water and sun, you might be surprised that you might see cruising up shallow. That's the kind of spring it's going to be, I think. Yeah, it's always interesting. I mean, every year, you know, everybody's excited for that opening weekend. But I, I look at it as being kind of a, a tattletale to what you need to do for the oncoming weeks, right? I think you've given a few hints to what that actually means. You know, I, I'm not sure. I haven't been on the water over here at all yet. I'm still kind of playing with my boats, re-rigging some stuff. Um, but I'm thinking by this weekend, I'll get out and kind of cruise around, look at what the water temps are and so on and so forth. But we're we're behind just like you're talking about as well. But, hey, uh, the weather's going to turn. I mean, it's only a matter of time here. It's kind of nice that we had a little bit of a cool down after seeing 90 degrees a couple weeks ago. I'm like, wow, what's going on? We're going to yeah. be in the heat of summer immediately and we finally got some cool down but everything's been extreme this year it's up it's down we got massive storms i don't think any of this uh crazy crazy weather patterns that we've been dealing with have been any benefit to uh catching and consistent fishing so you know you're in touch with people all over all over the country and even places that should be several months or a month ahead of us, I mean, they're going through some ups and downs here or there, too. You know what I'm saying? Aren't you hearing that? You know, absolutely, Herbie. We, I just, uh, two days ago, just got home from Ohio, and Ohio is kind of a wreck right now. Um, we were fishing down in West Branch. The water was a foot to two foot high, and it rained every other day. And so we'd have, like, 90 degrees today, 50 some degrees the next day and it was raining and pouring i mean it was just insane the next day it'd be 80 degrees the next day it was raining again and it would drop down to 40 50 degrees again 
there's a lot of stained water and things are still behind down there as well. And you think about that, I mean, you're getting down pretty far south. So pretty wild. You know, with this kind of spring that we've had, there's so much up and down. The fish, I just, they're just confused. I think, you know, it's just, they get kind of in a holding pattern and it's not good for consistency. It's just, it makes for very inconsistent fishing and, you just got to stick with it, throw a lot of baits, and and praise God for every good bite you get. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no no question. I, I think that's musky fishing now, right? <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're not on them every day, it gets challenging. And uh, I know you're on the water every day, so you'll, you'll dial it in at some point here. And the weather's going to get more consistent. And I think uh, we'll just go and roll into a normal season. Yeah, you know, in the next, my game plan in the next week or two is I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up each day. You know, I'm gonna cast some shallow stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna run some I'm trolling runs anywhere from six to twelve feet with you know baits three to five feet down on boards, and then I'm gonna swing out into you know you know, 15 to 25 and drop a couple lines down to, you know, eight to 12 and still leave a couple up high. And I'm just going to keep mixing it up until something starts showing. This is what you need to really concentrate on. And that's basically what I'm going to do. Well, I think that's uh, definitely a good plan, Herbie. And, you know, you think about it, uh, you're going to have to keep, you know, challenging yourself to do different things until you figure out what they want. And uh, if there's probably nobody in the business better than you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I might be calling you a night or two here coming up to help talk me off the ledge, but sooner or later, I'll get it down. <laughs> well, I've always got your back, Herbie. <laughs> Have you tried? Yeah. Have you tried any short line trolling at all, Herbie? But with the clear water, I'm assuming you're trying to get away from your boat. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, the short lines. I, I mean, I I did one of the fish we did catch was on a short line, um, but it was out over deep water, and that, like I said, that fish came up pretty high. You know, I mean, came rocking out so. And with that clear water, I'm I'm probably going to run uh, my two ten foot rods are going to be my my short lines, so it's, they're actually going to be like a real close board just to just to get them just a little bit away from the boat in case the fish does shy out a little bit. And then I'll and then I'll run a a couple boards, you know, just outside them with you know five to six eight feet of line out and just see what happens when I'm in shallow. That's kind of how I like to do it, just run long rods if I'm in real shallow for any short lines rather than, you know, right under the boat. At least when the water's just clear, you know. I, I can honestly tell you, you know, you go down south and you're in some of those southern dirty water reservoirs and the short line thing works so well. And I, I'm not going to say it can't work up here in my neck of the woods, but I'm dealing with ultra clear water and the experience that I have with it, you're better off getting your baits away from the boat. On Eagle, I'll be honest with you, where I, where I fished a lot, of, where I trolled a lot of clear water is I had very little luck, much less than 40 feet. <laughs> if I was in water less than 15 feet of water, I had very little luck with baits that were less than 40 feet back. I mean, like spinner baits and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do know exactly. I mean, that's kind of what I see here too. Um, it's always been challenging, and I'm not going to say you can't do it because, believe me, I mean, as many hours as I put in, I got a few fish doing it here, but yeah. it definitely seems to help just getting them baits a little bit further away from the boat, whether it be behind the boat further or off to the side by using planer boards of some sort, but. These fish, uh, they get to see a lot of different tricks, that's for sure. And I think uh, staying away from the boat is definitely a better key. I know Lab's always told me, he says, I can catch fish, you know, double the leader off the rock, tip of my rod and out gin clear water. But then I also hear of them running 120 feet, 150 feet back, too. You know what I mean? And 
you know, with baits that just no matter how much more line you got out, won't go any deeper. So, you know, obviously he's a experimental type of guy, but, you know, I'm not saying you can't catch him right under the boat in clear water either, but, you know, I think more of a chance under the boat if you're over deeper water than you are when you're in shallow. I would agree with that 100%. Yep. Kirby, with your uh, bait selection that you're using trolling right now, are you mixing in any kind of blade baits, uh, whether it be a spinner bait? Not, not yet, I haven't, no. Not this spring, I haven't, no. It's been, uh, you know, mostly minnow baits. MX, MX uh, Mortises baits have been real good. Some of the shad body baits, um, boss shads and stuff like that, that, you know, painted more like bluegills and stuff, and and then the, the MX seven and a halfs and perch are always good this time of year for me. Uh, I know a couple kids that got a 49 and a half Sunday. They got some 42, 45 inch fish trolling shallow with, uh, with, uh, six inch minnow baits, uh, you know, um, off planer boards and in spawning type of baits. So there are some fish roaming around in there, you know. Uh, the big fish they actually caught get moving out off the off of the edge, and and they got out off of the edge, you know, out into eighteen twenty, and fish hit it, you know. But uh, they caught some fish trolling, you know, like baby depth raiders, stuff like that, you know, uh, shallow raiders, some stuff like that, uh, small gammas, stuff like that in shallow. They just and they were out there, you know. Day on, day on, day on, day on, you know, 10, 12 hours on it until they put it in front of a fish that wanted to bite. So there's kind of that uh, equation also. Just keep it in the water, keep it wet until you find a fish, you know. There's not numbers there, but if you cover enough ground, you're going to find one, you know. Well, speed definitely plays a factor in that as well. Um, What kind of speeds have we been trolling, Herbie? You know, you can push it up there a little bit faster, but... uh, Sometimes those fish don't always like that either. So I was kind of curious what you've been doing. Staying 3.7 and under, 3.2 to 3.5. I get up to 3.7, 3.8 once in a while. And then I make sure I do some turns to see if anything hits on the outside. So far, they haven't. So I'm not thinking that they really wanted them really, really fast yet. Yeah, I think, you know, normally in the spring like this, that early spring, and it sounds like we're way early from everything that you're talking about, I think speed really plays a factor, and I think slower is generally better, but, you know, there's a bunch of different guys that are out there that would argue with me. Yeah. You catch them at what, you, when you, you catch them at what you're doing when, you, when they bite. So, you know, how you catch fish with what's on the end of your line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's the crazy part, right? I mean, you can get set in your ways because you keep catching on that, but how long was it between each catch? And are you really, truly on the right pattern? That's right. It's going with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, are you going to be part of this podcast or are you just going to sleep over there? I'm just listening to you guys talk. That's all. <laughs> well, I wanted to switch it up a little bit. I want to talk about spinnerbait fishing. What's one thing we don't talk about often and i'm not talking like bucktail spinner baits i'm talking like safety pin spinner baits herbie nobody probably knows more about them than you or very few and so why don't you kind of talk about the you know the ins and outs of say of spinner bait fishing you know when when you use them i mean you talk think, about how versatile yeah. it is of a tool i think that you know something you know very wise to bring up to people because well let's face it the straight shafts Spinner bait, whether it's singles, doubles, whether it's a MEPS, whether it's a whether it's a detonator, let's face it, they, it's probably one of the fish catchingest baits there is, and probably counts way more than any other combination of baits put together. However, they are also, I mean, you can do things with them. You can bulge them. You can burn them. You know, you can slow roll them, but you can troll them. But, you know, they're they're kind of one-dimensional in that aspect of, you know, compared to a spinnerbait. You know, and since, well, I'm going to blame Brad. It's 
because since Brad came out with the with the double ten, and then shortly after everybody else did too, Finger Bass kind of went out of vogue. You know what I mean? And before that, many knowledgeable anglers, it was one of their major tools. You know the Burns. You know the guys. All, all them kind of guys, you know, Pearson, all them guys. Spinnerbaits were one of their main arsenals, and I, I use, I use spinnerbaits a lot. Uh, one of my favorites is the Rad Dog, that the heavy one that he now makes was one that he originally made for me because I wanted a real heavy one for yo-yoing, you know, along deep weed lines and stuff, you know, rather than, you know what a spinnerbait's really for. Me, myself, when it comes to spinnerbaits, I like spinnerbaits, even though they aren't the greatest hookers, but I like, I like you know, the single hook spinnerbaits, you know, tandem single hooks or what have you, um, unless I'm trolling. You know, unless I'm trolling and I'm using it, like, over top to reefs and, and along deep weed lines and stuff like that. Then, then when I'm trolling, I like trouble just so I can hang on to the fish a little better. For using a spinnerbait, for what it's used, meant to be for, and that's in junk, you know, there's nothing better. You know, you it's tough to throw a, a single spinnerbait in the reeds. It's, you know, and, and for some people to keep it up over, our lakes are increasingly more and more to becoming milfoil choked and stuff. Some people, it's very hard to fish that stuff with, you know, and, and that's what spinnerbait is for, really, you know, although I've used it in many, many ways. And, I mean, it's just, it's a very versatile, and the dynamics of it lends it to be very much more versatile than people um, give it credit for. Or, you know, just think now, how many fish now are 50-inch size that haven't even seen a spinnerbait? <laughs> I mean, you don't see many people throwing them anymore. I fish with a lot of people, and I very seldom do I see people put on spinnerbait unless I tell them to because, you know, we're on some edges of some reeds or the or the, the weeds are real thick or, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So I think spinnerbaits are, are way overlooked these days. Another really good spinnerbait I like is one by CJ, Chris Jensen there. He uh, used to tie with George Wall and stuff, so he's got the contact with that. And it's, a, it's not the fancy rubber. It's not the fancy tinsel. It's big, long bucktails like George used to use on his on his eagle tails. And I'll tell you, I love that bait. If you look for good spinnerbaits, most of the good spinnerbaits are made by people who are really badass fishermen. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't know. I, I've, you know, yo-yoing them along weed lines, crawling them down over the tops of reefs and down the and down the edges of reefs in the late fall, um, trolling, whether it's over the tops of weeds or, or I, I do a lot of spinnerbait trolling over the tops of real shallow reefs that people have a hard time casting over that. Sometimes I cringe and, am I going to hit my skeg? Am I going to hit my skeg? Big reefs that I troll these spinnerbaits over and, and fish will come right off the tops of them or they come up off the edge like a, Brad, you made you had made me that uh, custom spinnerbait that I had you make me out of your not cycle. What's that other Magnum one you had? The Hurricane. The Hurricane, but I just had you take the two blades off the straight shaft that had double eights on it and a big ten, and has that. What is that nose cone? About three ounces. Yeah, it's right around three ounces. I think it's like two point eight or something. So. Yeah. And then we then I put two more I put two two ounce uh, barrels on the shaft so that the bait would run in between instead of using spacers I put two ounce barrel weights on the shaft in between the uh, skirts so that the bait would run level and that thing you know at three and a half to three eight runs about seven and a half eight feet so that when I come over some of these at uh, you know at uh, 70, 70 feet back so. When I come up over the top of these reefs, we actually got to lift the rod tip. But that thing thumps so hard that my rod tip looks like I'm running a crankbait. And I'm convinced that when if fish are out off the edge and they're down 15, 16, even 
18 feet, I believe they come up after it. it it's a, it's an amazing tool. And I, you know, I've sent you some pictures. I've caught some big fish doing it. It's an interesting, interesting technique. So, you know, spearbaits are really, really, really versatile. And I think people, you know, need to kind of embrace them a little bit more again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I won't argue any of that, Herbie. I think, uh, you know, you kind of hit it on the head. One of my all-time favorite opening weekend spearbait is the CJs. Um, they're incredible. But the unique part to it is, is that you, you also mentioned that you could use them in the fall. And it's so amazing to me how late in the fall you can use it. I mean, it might be a week before ice up. And spinnerbaits can definitely still get fished and get it done. Ice on the edge of the shore, for sure. Yeah. And the clearer the water, the more so is what I found. The clearer well, the water, the more you can get to ice up with some spinnerbaits for some reason. Yeah, I, I've always thought it was really wild. There's a couple different people that were throwing our hurricanes on Lake, Lake Mille Lacs late in the fall, like through the whole month of November. And they were scoring a bunch of fish when the rest of the crowd was all throwing rubber. And I, I have to say, I mean, years ago, I spent a ton of time throwing spinnerbaits in November. And they just seemed to always get it done, right? I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of like a jig with a couple blades, right? And you can slow roll them. The beauty of them is, is that they're really easy to troll. There's so many different things that you can do and maneuver with a spinnerbait. They're relatively weedless. They're just great fish catching baits. That's for sure. One thing I found in the fall when you are slow rolling them like that is when you think you're running them slow, you got to go slower. <laughs> you know, when you think you're running it slow enough, you got to go slower. Just so that blade's barely turning is what I found really gets them fish to follow it. And then you catch them at the boat as the bait comes up. You know, Jack Burns told me that kick many years ago and and I know it was one of his favorite late fall things and and I I know, and I, I started using it and I just couldn't believe how effective it was. What was Jack's favorite spinner bait? Um well he threw a lot of rad dogs for sure. He made a lot of his own stuff too, but he threw a lot of rad dogs. Maybe one of you two can answer. I'm I don't remember, but you know, Dick Pearson with the ERC um, the old Pearson grinder, is that still available or are they still selling those? Yeah, they're still selling them. I don't know many retailers that carry them, but I know, I think you can order them direct from Drifter. Do you sell them, Jeff, or I, no? I don't, nope. Weird. I mean, that was a bait when that came out, and I don't remember what year it was, but, I mean, that exploded, you know, and tons of people were catching on it. The blade, the straight shaft and double blades, the single blades, whatever, you know, if you're on a lake that every single guy, one boat, one right after another, is throwing them, I mean, I'll tell you what, you run a spinnerbait, you know, down a little bit, kicking the weeds, top the weeds, or along the edge deeper and yo-yoing it and ripping it up at you, you can be surprised how many fish you're going to, like I said, a lot of these fish that are fish we want to catch haven't even seen a spinnerbait. You know what I mean? They've been when they were born, people quit using them. You know, <laughs> for the most part. You know, a lot of truth to that, Herbie. It's it's amazing um, how people kind of sway away from different things. But I, I'll be honest, I, I've always mixed some spinner baits into my arsenal, and and it's paid off. You know, it, it's pretty incredible. Hence the reason that we came out with the hinge um, a couple of years ago. And, you know, that bait's so, so cool. But, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've been putting that kind of stain style. I've been using that bait with the body sideways on it. And it even rocks and rolls even more, just like staining is on a jig. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I think, uh, again, it's just being a little bit more unique, right? You're standing out a little bit more. Yeah, that bait, that that hinge trolls really good too. You know, you gotta, you know, either gotta put a weight ahead of it or you gotta troll slow or something. But that thing really does some crazy stuff trolling, man. 
Well, it definitely kicks, and and you know, without with that head being able to swing on that split ring, there's a lot of commotion going on there. It's pretty violent, honestly. A lot of people overlook it because it just looks too like simple. You know what I mean? Like, well, somebody just threw it together. They don't realize um, of what fish catcher that thing is. The other amazing part is, you know, the thin wire um, on that long arm. It, it's producing a ton of uh, vibration as well that way. And that that's the whole reason behind that bait. You know, if some of the old baits that were made years ago, they would always break at the head. And so my vision of that whole bait was let's get rid of that molded head and just do it totally different. And, and that's what I came up with. And, you know, I, I think we corrected the breakage side of it but you still have that long arm that's vibrating and has tons of uh, fish catching, you know, presence. Yeah, I switch it out quite a bit, too. I play around with different blades on it other than just the big little reef, too. You can do a lot of different things with it. Them hooks riding up on like that and everything, I mean, that thing, that thing goes through reeds and stuff like that pretty good, too. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it's a pretty good bait, you know. It's like I said, it looks pretty simple. And looks like something somebody just threw together, but you put it on the end of your line, fish like it. Exactly. You know, one of the cool things too about the hinge arm, I blew my mind last year. I think it was probably end of August, beginning of September. But Chase Gibson came up here and was fishing with me, and we were doing some filming. He literally tore one of my hinges apart and put that arm on a dying dog and started throwing it and just slow rolled it after dark. And you would not believe it, but he caught two fish almost like in 15 minutes of bang, bang, slow rolling with a hinge arm. Pretty wild. I, I was dumbfounded and it actually looks really, really cool. Was the tail flopping around? It does. Yep. Huh. Something that I would have never dreamt up, but he was doing it, and it works. I think that hinge arm could be used on quite a few different baits, whether it be a jerk bait, potentially a crank bait, you know. And it's just the split ring to that jig head, so grab that and throw it on any bait you want. Is kind of what I'm, I'm talking about. I bet you look pretty cool on crank bait. There's no reason that it shouldn't, right? I mean. Sure. Right. That crankbait's going to do its thing, and it's going to make that arm go back and forth, and that blade's going to be there. It's going to look like that crankbait's chasing a minnow or something. Yeah. When do you start your fishing? We start the first Saturday in June. Um, I believe it's June 4th this year. So let's see. This will come out, what, three days before your guys' opener on the north end of Wisconsin. The following Saturday, I will be out uh, playing around chasing these goofy fish. Well, hopefully things are looking good. I'm still in rem- um, my last test. I was in total remission yet. So it looks like to me I'm going to be, I'm booked up to Eagle, knock on wood. You know, I got another scan in between now and then. But as of now, I'm going to be uh, down here until uh third week of june and then i'm going to be up to violet until the 18th of july 19th of july to the 4th of september i'll be on eagle then i'm back up in violet in september and then i'm back to eagle for the month of october and the first week of november so i want one really good crack at eagle again here for it'll be 10 weeks so I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. I know it's been a little while, Herbie. I mean, I know you slipped up there last year a little bit, but not guiding-wise. And how many years were you on Eagle? I I don't even know for sure. How many years did you own Andy Myers? Well, I I was there 20, and then I was there 7 with Julian before COVID. So 27 years. That's amazing. And... I, I know how much you love it up there, Herbie, and I mean, it's an experience, and I have always told people, you need to get up and fish with Herbie. I mean, I, I will encourage anybody, because you are an amazing fisherman, and you think outside the box, probably more so than anybody I've ever met, 
and it's so intriguing to share a boat with you. My kids catching up pretty quick. I gotta, I gotta keep working hard to stay ahead of them. I'll tell you that. Well, he's he's quite the uh, the amazing fisherman as well. But uh, you know, like the old saying is, Herbie, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, I always say I tell him everything he knows, but not everything I know. <laughs> he's probably just picking up everything that you forgot. Yeah, he's pretty sharp. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm just chomping at the bit. Uh, it's just a freedom I feel up there. Is Unlike I feel down here, it's just, you know, it just, uh, it just becomes part of your being when you've been there that much and went through so much and everything. It's just, uh, it just, I don't know, it just does, does something for you that can't be really explained, you know? So, Harvey, you kind of talked about where your scheduling is going to be. If somebody wants to get out and either, you know, see you or go fishing with you, where are they going to go about finding that information? Well, uh, com. you can find every contact in there. You know, my phone number just off the top here is 608-515-3416. As I've always said before, it doesn't have to be just to book me or anything else. If you want to talk fishing or I can help you in any way, it's just what I've done all my life and what I love to do. And you ain't bothering me. Don't be afraid to give me a jingle. Um, obviously I'm on Facebook. I'm not real heavily into social media, but I'm on Facebook and messenger. And my email is herbeck.cj at yahoo.com. But all that can be found at steveherbeckfishing.com. I do have a couple openings left, uh, in the first couple weeks of July for, uh, Vilas County. Also, a couple openings after Labor Day in Vilas County. And if you're interested, if the weather's holding, like after deer season in November, there's some southern Wisconsin fisheries that got some opportunities that are very, very overlooked that will stay open probably till the end of the season, the end of December. If you'd like to get out, in December, don't be afraid to give me a call because I'll be all about it. Well, Brad, sounds like well, we got to go make a trip to go fish with Herbie in December. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I've had the pleasure of uh, sharing the boat with Herbie many, many times, and I, I've encouraged so many people go get in the boat with him because your eyes are going to be open. It's truly amazing some of the things that he's doing out there. He has helped so many different companies with. Uh, R&D, as well as development, you know, coming up with their own product lines. I mean, the guy, he blows my mind every time I talk to him. I truly, truly am passionate about talking to Herbie. Fishing with him, you get the whole experience plus the fishing. So if you're looking for a really good guide trip, definitely check him out. Well, you know, Brad, you talked a little bit about R&D there. So, Herbie, let me give you a minute to talk about this new bait you're working on with Livingston Lures. It's called the Flipper. I know you've been kind of, you've sent me some clips of it. We actually ordered them the other day, so we will eventually have them. Why don't you take a minute and talk a little bit about this bait? Sounds pretty cool. Well, it's just kind of a late night thing kind of sparked me. It comes off of a, a shallow crankbait, jerkbait design. It's kind of a hybrid. Uh, it's got a really unique type of action because most of your jerkbaits with tails got horizontal body, flat bellies, things like that. You know, whether they got, you know, a fin tail or a straight metal tail. Now, you know, Brad's got his big daddy with a, a protector in the lip. The, you know, the Bobby's got the, the, the little face, you know, to give it a little bit of action. This actually got a small lip under, under, uh, under it. So, um, you got a combination of a vertical body that gives it a very unique type of wobble. I got it weighted so it's just above suspending so that if you give it time after your snap, the bait will glide off to the side with a wobble and kind of hang for a second. Very, very slow, very, very slow rise. The tail doesn't really give it depth like 
some of your other tail baits. What it does is, is the tail increases or decreases the amount of wobble or action. So this bait is also a really, really good shallow water troller. This bait's going to be a very deceiving type of troller for that shallow water um, or over deep water, shallow water troll in the summer, uh, early summer for the post-spawn recuperating fish and stuff. It, it also is going to be an excellent bait for trolling, jerk trolling, shallow rocks and stuff like up on the shield or, or uh, some of them kind of lakes where you got that shallow mountain rock type of, of, uh, of trolling. But the, in the actual casting itself, you know, not only is its vertical sides give it a lot different action than any kind of tailed uh, jerk bait, um, it's tapered, it's hard plastic, it hooks extremely well. The people that I put it in the hands of that are jerk bait nuts, their eyeballs popped out like 50, 50 cent pieces. So I think it's going to become a favorite of many. One thing, if anybody does decide to try one, it seems to me I like the action better when I'm casting it with the tail fairly straight, not bent down trying to get more action. It'll, it'll actually become more like crankbait. The more you bend the tail down, the more it becomes like a crankbait. The more you bend the tail up, the more you get that swooping wobble. You can get it to swoop out two, couple, three feet and then hang, and then it'll pop to the other way. So it's, it's a really unique bait. You know, it, it's got a rolling weight system in it, so it kind of knocks a little bit along with that uh, Livingston EBS, which, you know, like I've always told everybody, there's something to it. How much there is, you know, we're they're working on it. It's, uh, I like to compare it to the difference between Columbus getting over here on the Mayflower and going to the moon. We're still on the Columbus, but there's there is something to it. I've had best luck with this jerk bait by allowing it to hang for two to three seconds after a sweep. That's when the fish have all hit it. Not all, but a major portion of the of the strikes I've had is after it's made that sweep and allowed to hang for longer than you think you want to. But you know, time goes very, very slow when you when you're actually pausing a bait. You know, one or two seconds seems like ten. You know, so. Um, anybody tries it, use it, use it with patience. It's unique. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, uh, I've always been a jerk bait guy. When fishing's tough, when fishing's really tough, you know, I pick up either rubber or jerk baits usually, at least at the back of the boat, you know, for me, you know, this is, this is a, it's a little bit different jerk bait than anything out there right now. I think people are going to like it. Well, I'm definitely excited to see them, and when we get them in our hands, it'll be a little while yet. From what I understand, it's not supposed to even be available until end of June at the earliest. Is that the same kind of timeline you you know of, Herbie? Yeah, it's about the middle of June if we're lucky. Yeah, right in there. Yep. So, you know, shameless plug, if you want to find more about them, I have them, I have them on the website. You can sign up to get a notification when we get them in. Just drop down whatever color you're looking for. There's one picture that Herbie had sent me a while back that's on there, but that's it. So if you want to check it out, it's the Flipper from Livingston Lures, and that was designed by Steve. And we're looking forward to getting that one in the shop as soon as we can. All right, boys. Well, it's been a pleasure again. I got an early morning tomorrow. I'm going to go uh, take a shower, hit the hay, and be up at 4.30 again. So if I don't talk to you before your opener, Brad, good luck. I'm sure you'll be heading north before too long, Jeff, eh? Yeah, I'm going to go up this weekend. Yep, I'll be up this weekend. Yeah, well, got... good luck to you. Um, I probably won't be up in that neck of the woods until about the third week of June, and then I'll be up there for uh, almost about three weeks before I had to go to Canada. So I'll keep um, that in mind so about the third week of June I can start hitting you up for reports. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, Herbie, we want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come fish or come talk with us. We want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with us for another episode. And Herbie, I hope you have a great season. I'm sure we'll be in touch, and we'll catch everybody again with a new episode next week. 
All right. Take care, everybody. Good luck to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your time.